The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. Tonight, it's going to be a little different. I don't know if people are going to tune in or not, but, um, tonight, I'm going to just have a conversation. I wasn't sure how to approach this, to be perfectly real. I think tonight it's more therapy for me, entertainment for you. Tonight I'm really gonna speak from the heart. I want to talk about friendship tonight, and I want to do my best to stay composed tonight. I tried to write some notes. I don't know if they make any sense. So I think I'm just going to speak about somebody I used to know, Joe Manetta. One of the beautiful things about the baseball diamond and the courtroom is I feel when we walk in, we're equal, you know? It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who you are. You're on the field or you're in the court. And um, I think how we define friendship. It's pretty easy to be my friend today, right? I make shit happen. Cool. But I think friendship... Is how you treat people that can't do anything for you. People that can't advance your career. Or you can't make money off of people you just enjoy for whatever it is. And you treat them as your equal with no ulterior motive. And I think I've done a really good job of that. Except for people that I feel crossed me or a client. I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about Joe Manetta. Because Joe Manetta was always a really good friend to me. And I think it's sad in life how we lose track of people that are really good friends. Things happen. Relationships change. Educational Boundaries occur. Geography changes. But I want to go back to when I was a 14-year-old kid. I want to go back to when I was a scared 14-year-old kid growing up in the ghetto and playing baseball. And um, Joe and Max Manetta or in my opinion, two of the best ball players I've ever seen. And a lot of people have said things about my baseball career or lack thereof it, that I was really good or I sucked or whatever. Forget about me for a minute. I want to about the Mineta brothers and specifically Joe Mineta for a minute. These amazing baseball players. These kids from Margate who weren't accepted as the regular Margate kids. God damn, could they hit a ball. They could play any position. 
And I want to tell you a few stories about Joe Mineta today because Max Mineta emailed me on LinkedIn and told me Joe's not doing too good. So Joe, I called you today, you didn't pick up the phone. I realized you may not pick up the phone. So I want to make this video for you. And I want Max to give it to you because I'm going to email it to Max tonight. And I'm going to start by talking about a few games we played in as kids. But then I'm going to talk about something more important. What I remember about you from a baseball perspective is the St. Augustine prep game. St. Augustine's prep was always an elite team. And they came to play AC. And one inning... Joe Mineta caught a very difficult foul pop fly from catcher. He threw out a base runner trying to steal second. He threw out a base runner trying to steal third. He crushed two doubles. And he was just an amazing baseball player. And I remember when we were playing on Vetner Travel Team, Joe was hitting seventh. Max was hitting eighth. I was hitting ninth, which was kind of a joke that, hey, Jason, that Joe and Max were that far down the line. If I deserve to be hitting ninth, we went 12 for 12 that day, and we crushed it. That was one of my best baseball memories. When it comes to baseball, I think Joe was an exceptional player who should have played in college or maybe beyond. I don't know why it didn't happen. He was a dominant player on the field. He was somebody who could crush a ball, play nine positions. He could do it all on the field. But he never got the credit he deserved back home. And I would love to sit here and just tell you baseball stories. But it's got to go deeper than that. Because I'm feeling pain right now. I'm feeling all sorts of weird emotions that I'm not comfortable with. But I feel I owe it to my friend who was sort of a protector when he was 16 and I was 14. So I want to tell you about the bus rides to baseball games. When I played for AC High, I was the little geek. Poor kid from the ghetto, didn't have any friends. I used to sit alone on those bus rides and just read my books. And it was Joe and Max that pulled me to the side and made sure I had friends to sit with before I wasn't any, before I was, I was a nobody, right? And they took me and they made me wander around. The clicks were so brutal, you know? The clicks of Margate and Ventner and all this shit, and I'm caught in the middle of this, and the Manettas pulled me in and protected me. I want to talk about how when we played travel baseball, Mr. and Mrs. Manetta and Joe and Max would drive me all the way to Willow Avenue, out of their way, to make sure I got home safe.
I want to talk about the fight against Chris Graybon when I was 16 years old. And Chris Graybon and Don Sigley, you're assholes from back then. If you're tuned in, it's my opinion that you're an asshole. So sue me for that if you like. Chris Graybon was older. He was the Vetner golden boy. And him and I got into it. I'm this little sophomore. He's a senior. And he punched me on the Vetner bench. And I got up with all my might and tried to fight him. And his idiot scattered around me. It was Joe Mineta that pulled him by his neck and got his ass off me. Joe Mineta was a protector. And his senior year of high school... Joe led AC high in hitting. He was an amazing fielder. Best player on that team by far. But he didn't get MVP of the team. Todd Mangle did because you know what? Politics is a bitch. And I guess... I wonder why somebody as amazing as Joe Mineta was overlooked by the cliques in high school. Here's this great baseball player, this terrific guy, this smart kid, but he never got the credit he deserved. And I wonder during those brutal times if I would have survived without the friendship of the Manettas. I wonder... If I would have just offed myself when I was a depressed teenager. I'm poor. I'm a white kid in the hood. Friggin' mock trial is my only way out. I'm not liked at baseball. No girls like me back then. I am a poster child for fucking depression. And the Manettas were my friends. And they took me under their wing. And for the life of me tonight, I don't know why we're not texting every night, why we don't talk anymore. And I wonder how life has pulled me into this quote-unquote position of fucking power. You know, somebody said to me the other day, it was really a powerful statement. And they said to me, rejection doesn't come to your mind, does it? No. Rejection, I think, does not come to my mind. And do you know one of the reasons why... One was masking yourself from the hood. Another one was that Joe Mineta had my back. So there was no time to accept rejection when you were being rejected, if that makes sense to anybody. And I'm sitting here with this email from Max, seeing that Joe is in this horrible fight. And I wish to God... I could be there for him like he was there for me in my time of crisis. So, Joe. I know you're in a fight right now, bro. And I know things look rough. But I want you to think about how fucking tough your mom and dad were. And how tough they made you. Now you always had this courage. And you always protected others.
and I want to tell you how grateful I am for protecting me. And if there's anything I can do, money, whatever, answer the phone, bro. Because I fucking owe you. And I love you, man. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. Man, I'll tell you, I think we need some laughter tonight. I am in trial prep hell. I'm in the middle of my four trial series. First two down, two more to go. Oh, I didn't even mention the uh, CPS cases. Jesus, like crazy time, right? Friends are going through a lot of shit right now. Love you guys. And uh, I, I want to be there. I want to be supportive of my true friends. And I try to be a true friend. You know, in this life, my Uncle Sam always told me, if you got five people that truly care about your well-being, you're a very lucky person. And I always strive to be one of those five people in other people's lives. I really do strive for that. And I will tell you, um, I realize, you know, in a lot of relationships I've had, whatever you want to classify them as, it's really weird to see a give and take thing going on. And I want you guys to know, what really makes a good friend is when you care for somebody and don't expect anything in return. And that's rare. In the same breath, when you never get anything in return, gotta cut that shit off, guys. And people will know who I'm talking about. My inner circle will know who I'm talking about right there. And I'm just telling you, good people are hard to find. And even the best of us go through these barriers. Let's focus. Let's get through this shit. Let's be a team. Things are going to be okay across the board. Lately, I've been accused of a lot of things. Thank you, Mike. Back at you. Um, I've been accused of money laundering, drug dealing, having a number of affairs, and driving a prosecutor to a nervous breakdown. I think that's the list for the last couple of days. Okay. Well... Um, I'm not sure what money laundering is. I know I defended people for it before, but I'm not sure how I would be doing that. As far as drug dealing, I haven't even smoked a joint. Uh, so I think that's bullshit. The affairs, I don't know when I would, I wouldn't want to do it anyway, but it's kind of, um, it's 9.38 at night and I'm working, so I'm not sure who the mistress would be. And driving a prosecutor to a nervous breakdown. Oh, there might be some truth to that one. Anyway, I'm Bill Amadeo from... McMass Namadeo and Grable and Associates. And my hand's killing me, but I'm Shiawassee 6. I sprained this thing in the bag. It's painful. But um, we're here working. We're in trial prep. And I want to share a story with you today. I'm coming back from Canada with Jewel. And we see the Church of Scientology in Detroit. And I start laughing about a story about a friend of mine that was trying to get with a girl that was Christian science. And Jules said, how did it go? And I said, went really well till he needed medical attention. Wait for that. 
So it's junior year of high school. It's actually the between junior and senior year. And in the summers, I just worked a lot. Work, work, work. We don't have a car. I'm saving for my first car. I'm saving for our first house. We're still in the ghetto. We're in Ducktown. And uh, being Catholic was a huge thing. If you were Italian, if you were Hispanic, you were a Catholic in South Jersey. And this was something very big to pride in. Yeah, we're Catholics. I'm an altar boy, and there was always a group of altar boys that we didn't really like each other, but we associated with each other because we were altar boys for an extended period of time. One of these altar boys, we'll just call him Mark, was the most Catholic of Catholics you ever met. Mark could quote you Bible stuff and it was I'll give you a Bible verse and blah 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 and he wouldn't shut up about it. He'd be flexing his religious intellectual muscles. That's something okay. Tired. And he was like you know <laughs> he was thank you, Chrissy Gary. Um, it wasn't a prostitute. They think I'm having an affair with other people, but not prostitutes. But, you know, I I do appreciate the support there. And Mark was one of these ones that would always scream at us about going to church all the time. Like, we'd go to church once a week, and we would serve Mass once a week. But this is the guy that would go to 7 o'clock Mass in the morning. The most religious guy you've ever seen in your life. And... He would be real arrogant about it. Oh, did you go to church at 7 a.m.? No. No, no, I didn't. I was tired from work and going to the gym or whatever. He went to church, okay. And, you know, here's my feeling on religion, guys. If it works for you, that's a wonderful thing. Cool. I got nothing against religion. I mean, I was a strong Catholic for years. I think the support of Bobby Reyes displayed my belief in Christianity... I just don't like religion being shoved down my throat. And that comes from being such a strong Catholic. And Mike, you could relate to that. Um, and I was an altar boy till junior year, Mike. I was the last of the Mohegans there from fourth grade to junior year. So, you know, at this time in life, I'm on the mock trial team and it's the summer. And a couple of the Catholic guys, the poorer ones, called me up to go to batting practice let's ride our bikes to ventnor heights let's get a bunch of baseballs and just hit the hell out of them and practice and to me at that time that was a good time i mean that'd be like some people going to get a drink bar you know get a beer at a bar or something i'm like great let's go play baseball all day and night that was like my way to release frustration so we ride our bikes and we're doing our thing and three of us mark's not there he's probably at church or something and we're hitting the balls for hours and it's starting to rain we're just having a good time you know i always found peace on the baseball field in fact sometimes when trials are heavy for me or life is just heavy i will put my earphones on and just go walk on a baseball diamond and i just kind of feel at home i feel like me and the diamond are one Love the baseball diamond. It's always been a sacred area to me. 
So we're done playing. It's time to go home. And we're going to take the bus home and put our bikes on the bus. We only have X amount of dollars. We're really poor back then, right? So we had this idea. If we put our money together and we went to Wawa, we could get two of those big glass Gatorade bottles. And back then in the mid-90s, that's how those bottles were. They were glass. Keep that in mind. Because when you drop the glass Gatorade bottle, man, it shatters. Hold that thought. So we're going to get these two bottles. We won't touch the um, the lips of it. We'll drink it and we'll ride our bikes home. Alright. So we're riding our bikes after we get our Gatorade bottles in the rain. And we go from Vetner Heights into Chelsea Heights. Now in Chelsea Heights... There was the Christian Science Reading Room. And this is where people from the Church of Scientology all hung out. I don't know, I'm not against them, you know. We're just riding our bike. Now remember this, guys, as we proceed. Mark, the strongest Catholic of Catholics is somebody you would never expect to see at the Christian Science Reading Room. Now we're exhausted, we're sweaty, we look like crap. We're riding our bikes home in the rain. We're holding our glass bottles of Gatorade, which we are sharing. And we pull up on the Christian Science Reading Room. We gotta make a left there to hit the Albany Avenue Bridge. And out comes Mark of the Christian Science Reading Room. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. He does like this dance and this skip and he screams, I'm filled with the spirit. And he's all excited. And we're just staring at him, right? What the hell's going on here? The only thing I could equate it to is when Sal Solvito at the bar in The Sopranos. And if you know The Sopranos, you know what I'm talking about. What the hell is Mark doing coming out of the Christian Science Reading Room? Here's the most Catholic of Catholics. And he sees me. And I'm like, you know, it's like Sasquatch coming out or something. Like, what the hell? And he runs up and he goes, B, what are you doing here? I'm driving my bike home because we're poor with our Gatorades. One of the poor kids dropped his gator on the ground and made this big sound. And all the Christian science people, the church science, I was like, huh? and you know, you can't get a doctor if you're one of them. So hold that thought. And Mark has explained, you can't tell anybody about this. Now, we're 16 years old, right? You're dancing in the Christian Science Reading Room. And this is a big secret. I mean, I don't tell shit about anyone. Like, you tell me something's in the vault. But here's Mark. And my two friends, who are horrified, what were you doing? This is not a Catholic church. I see this blonde, right? And this blonde, by 16-year-old standards, was a vision of beauty. And I got it. He was trying to get with her. And to do so, he fined being a member of the Church of Scientology. George Costanza would be proud of this. And um, he says, B, don't tell Father Sullivan. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what the hell's going on. But I'm not going to tell Sully that you're hanging out with the blonde at the Church of Scientology. 
I just want to make it home alive, you know? I, the guy dropped a Gatorade, riding our bikes home in the rain. And he's, like, sweating profusely. And he's like, her cousin really likes you. I'm like, what? My girlfriend's cousin has a huge crush on you. So, he, the girlfriend's cousin walks out of the church. And the only thing I could say about this girl... She had her arms folded like this, right? And she keeps walking real slow. And she's walking towards me. She's got glasses on, so I'm kind of hooked, right? Because, you know, glasses have cost me more money than you could imagine throughout my life. Before Jewel, the girl had glasses on. Let me buy you a house. Anyway... Oh, Christian Science cousin comes up to me, and I'm looking like crap. I smell. I just came from the baseball field. I'm on my bike. I clearly have no money as I'm trying to share a glass bottle of Gatorade with two guys. She starts saying things to me. I saw you at mock trial. You were excellent. Like, how'd you see me at mock trial? She went to a school that participated in mock trial. They didn't make it as far as Lexley High, so she saw me there. Then she told me she was a really good baseball player. Then she read articles I wrote in the Viking newspaper. Like, holy shit! I mean, with my luck at 16, here's what's going to happen. This girl's going to be into me. She's going to be down. But she's going to want me to come to the Christian Science Church. My aunt's going to kill me for that. And I gotta go tell my aunt because my two friends are gonna say, oh, Billy was talking to the Christian science girl. Hmm. I'll tell you something, guys. And I tell this to my clients all the time. Telling the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, is not always the best option. Lying your way out of stuff can be problematic. But silence is golden. So we're riding home. And I'm telling my friends, hey, guys, can you just shut up about this? We get up to Willow Avenue, and um, one of the idiots says, Oh, hey, Aunt Mare, Billy was told to the Christian Science Girl. Have a good night. Now, you understand my aunt. <laughs> my aunt is an old-school, little, badass Italian Catholic woman. And um, she wanted her Billy with a Catholic pretty girl. She did like the pretty Jew I ended up marrying, but with that being said, back then, it's about keeping it with the faith. So she goes, who's this Christian science girl? I'm like, oh, I, you know, it... now I don't want to blow Mark's cover, and I kind of like the Christian science girl, so I'm trying to protect Mark without trying to lie to my aunt. And I decided, well, I'll tell Aunt Mary the truth. So, well, there's we're riding home and this girl walks out of the church of Scientology and she knew a little about me and I'm kind of flattered and she lives out of the area, but she's here for the summer. And you know, she's like, well, you can date her, but you could never go to church with her. Uh, okay. Sounds good to me. I don't want to go to church or anyway, Aunt Mare. Girl calls me up. She was very aggressive. She was making the first move. B. I think for our first date, we should go to church together first. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, God forbid we go to a movie. Let's go hear about the Church of Scientology. I'm like, oh, hey, listen, I don't know if I could do that. My parents will pick us up. They'll come get you, and we'll go to church. Then they'll drop us while we go to the mall. To quote Bobby Hill, 
I'm going to tell you what I like and don't like about that scenario. <laughs> the rides in the mall sounded great for a poor kid with no car. I don't want to go to Church of Scientology. And I knew I had to answer to Mary Lee Neary. Meanwhile, I'm keeping Mark's secret on the down low. Chris Fodder saw when the crew can't find out that Mark is infiltrating the Church of Scientology. So I make a pitch to my aunt. This was a mistake. I decide I'm going to tell my aunt the whole truth. Aunt Mayor, I need to talk to you. Listen. And when I say listen, something important's about to happen, or at least I think something important's about to happen. And Aunt Mayor, this little woman, she gets like this look on her face, like, go ahead. What are you going to tell me? Now I got to tell you something. I grew up with gangbangers. I've been threatened by people in prison. I've been shot at. I've been stabbed. Nothing really scares me. But Mary Lanieri scared the shit out of me. Okay, may she rest in peace. That woman was a badass. And she used to say, if you become president, I will sit on a ladder and beat your ass if you deserve it. Okay. Won't do about CPS. So, I, I got to pitch my aunt now. I want to go out with this girl who's a member of the Church of Scientology, my aunt won't have it. She, I could date her, but I can't go to the Church of Scientology. Well, this girl wants to go to church, and I'm thinking, well, if I go to church, I get her to the mall, we'll be good. How can I convince my aunt that I'm just going to go to the church and then go to the mall, and it's just a means to an end? So I come over the top. Okay, listen. This girl wants me to go to church with her. And I have no interest in going to that church. However, I have an interest in her. So I'm going to pretend that I'm interested in going to church. I'll get her to the mall. This was a mistake. This, as my friend Joanna Raggio always said to me, the number one rule is know your audience. It was not a good idea to tell Mary Lee Neary that you were going to pretend to go to a church you didn't want to go to that was not a Catholic faith to swoon a woman. It was not going to work. So, um, after she screamed at me and threw baseball cards across the room and was concerned for my soul, I was told I couldn't go on the date. So now, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, so I don't want to be homeless. And these baseball cards are trying to help us buy the native neighbor. The Van Mare keeps wrecking the baseball cards and screaming at me. That's going to be a problem. And I got this great emotional currency because I did really good at mock trial to make her happy. And I'm bringing money into the house. So I got to just, you know, I got to crawl my way back from this uh, Christian science mishap. But I still want to go to the mall. So... I think to myself, maybe this girl is like a bad girl, you know, I'll, I'll tell her, I'll, I'll tell her the truth, you know, and I gotta tell you, telling the truth across the board with these one was not the right idea. It was not smart to tell Aunt Mayor, I'm going to lie to go to that church to get to the mall, but I didn't learn from that. So now I tell the group, I'm going to phone the Christian science school, hey, listen, my aunt does not want me going to that church. We're strong Catholics. So, why don't we do this? Why don't you lie to your parents? 
and tell them we went to church. Let's just go meet them all. Tell me you don't need a ride. You want me to lie about my religion? No, 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 not lie about your religion. Just tell your parents we went to church. You want a different time. So now I'm trying to convince maybe the most Christian person I know to lie about their faith so we get to save them all. And I told Aunt Mary I was going to lie to go to the church to get to the mall. The end of the day is we'll go to the mall. That's all I want to do, right? I go over well with this girl. So she tells Mark, how could I be such a horrible person? And Mark, who I am protecting, throws my ass under the bus. Well, you know who those Catholics are. Are you kidding me, dude? Okay. So, I don't get the Christian science, girl. Aunt Mare's pistol, if I was even going to go to Church of Scientology to try to feign stuff. Christian science girl is hurt that I would want her to lie to her parents. I don't have a car anyway. I was going to take the bus. And I don't know the hell knows. But I, I, look. Things were not going in the right direction. But Mark is in my face. And even though I'm protecting Mark, and I hate this about life. I get this so much. I will protect your secret. But God forbid it would ever go the other way around, right? But I want to protect Mark's secret. He's got to tell his family he's the good Catholic, and the blonde, he's the good member of the Church of Scientology. But at some point, I told him, this shit's going to come to a head. And he's laughing. You should have just stood up to your aunt. Oh, yeah! Okay, buddy! You didn't say sit up to a gangbanger. I'm not going to sit up to Mary Lee Neary on anything. You're seven foot five, juiced up, I'll fight you. You're Mary Lee Neary, I'm sorry, Aunt Mare. Let's just be real. And Mike, crazy little Italian woman, uh-uh. She already threw my baseball cards across the room. I don't know what was going to happen next. My luck, I'd walk in like a pamphlet for the Church of Scientology. That was just a joke, Aunt Mary. Uh, be bad. So, we're playing travel baseball. Mark is playing third base. And Scientology girl is at the game, dressed to the nines, and her cousin's there. Because her cousin's kind of into me, but she's pissed off I won't. And I, I'm not smart to pick up on anything. I, I don't know. I'm just... I, you said the whole thing with the church pissed you off, so I'm assuming I'm out of the game. I don't even realize that... You know, I'm a kid. I don't know what the hell's going on. But Mark's dad's at the game, too. There's a line drive to third base where Mark is playing. And Mark had glasses, which were much thicker than mine. And he gets blow up in time, and the ball smashes the glass that cuts his eye. And he's bleeding out. And his father yells, Oh my god, is there a doctor in the house? And his girlfriend screams, No! No! He can't have a doctor! <laughs> and I'm on one knee on the ground with my friend. I say, bro, you need a doctor. I don't know what you're going to tell Christian Science, girl, but you need a goddamn doctor right now. So he went to the hospital, got stitched up, and Christian Science girl was pissed off saying this is my fault. Like, no, it wasn't my fault. There were two things to blame here. One, 
the hitter from Ocean City smoked the line drive. And two, you can blame him for not getting his glove up in time. And three, you can blame him for wearing glasses on the field. But you can't blame him for going to the doctor. And um, today, they are not together. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So when we're driving from Canada to Detroit, and Jewel is, we're driving, and Jewel's in the car, and I said, out oh, of Church of Scientology, ha ha ha, I start laughing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> She's like, thank you, I heard it wasn't bad, right? And I'm like, oh, I got a, I know, I knew a guy that pretended to be a member of the Christian science faith, the Church of Scientology, to get this girl. And Kara goes, that's really extreme, how'd it go for him? It's well, really well, do we need medical attention? <laughs> The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Thank you everybody for the birthday wishes. Really appreciate that, guys. Those of you know me really well no my birthday is not a big thing to me it was a huge thing to my aunt and my mom and because of that i never really when they passed and i really cared much about my birthday so i started my day working and did a jail visit went to the gym i'm going to do this live and head home to be with the fam i want to get some work in today my uncle sam great role model always taught me your birthdays and the holidays and stuff like their chances to get ahead of your competition. So we prepped some questions for a trial and did this and did that. But Josh Strickland has told me he needs a lot more content. So I am going to do some more content. And, you know, today being the birthday and all that, it's uh, kind of a humorous thing. I'm going to tell some Facebook market stories and thank you scott crable and i'm going to share my last birthday in atlantic city before law school and things that went weird and you know if you ever as a young person was a homeowner and i owned a condo on the boardwalk a little tiny broom closet like condo what we did back then i mean i gave keys to my friends they need the condo. I was always working. And, you know, and it's before law school, so what you're doing is you're working all the time. So it was okay that your friends had keys to the condos. Mm. Wait for it. Anyway, let's talk about the Facebook Marketplace, shall we? I've had some really weird experiences lately, and this is going to be one of those lives where, hey, I'm just going to lay out the facts, and you guys decide who the crazy one is. I don't think I'm the crazy one. I really don't. Um, as you know, Matt McManus and I have gotten into the baseball card game a little bit. And it's got a lot of control. There's all these unopened boxes and complete sets and singles. And I was told a great place to find new cards and old unopened stuff is the Facebook Marketplace. And, uh, so I experimented. And my first experiment was looking for unopened boxes from the past. And this guy, he had an 85-86 OPG hockey wax box. Holy shit. 
That's Mario Lemieux rookie. He had a 78-79 OPG. I'm sorry, 78 OPG baseball on open box. And like an 80-81 tops basketball box, which is the Magic Bird rookie, the Holy Grail, right? Now, here's the thing about unopened boxes, guys. You gotta make sure they're either factory sealed or sealed from the baseball card exchange. Because there's a lot of weirdos that sit in their apartments, get unopened boxes, and repackage cards. And this guy wanted ten grand for the whole schmeal. Let me tell you something. That is an amazing deal. It's a sick deal. But I asked him, were they sealed? Baseball card exchange, factory sealed. And no, they weren't. So now you're taking this guy's word that they're legit cards. And, and I didn't make the deal. And then the joke becomes, well, sure, I'd like to buy an 85-86 OPG and an 80-81 Topps Baseball for ten grand. Who wouldn't? And then you're talking to people. The Facebook Marketplace got me involved in conversations with very strange individuals. And strange individuals have always had an affinity for me. You guys know that, right? So. And Scott Grable, you see me wearing a Cooley shirt today. I'm still pissed off I didn't win the um, cocktail party with Dean McGrath. Another Cooley fail there. Somebody gets that joke. Second encounter with the Facebook Marketplace was a young woman that posted some cards. And she posted these graded cards. And graded cards for singles are the way to go. You want to get graded cards, right? Okay. Thank you, Emily. So I said to her, how much for all five of the cards she posted? She goes, they're my boyfriend's cards. Okay. How much does he want? Well, I got to talk to my boyfriend. Okay. Well, when you do, can you let me know what you want for the cards? Well, my boyfriend will let you know. I mean, it's your ad, okay? I, but fine, talk to your man, whatever. My boyfriend says $150 for the whole lot. I said, okay, great. I will take them. Um, where do you guys want to meet? Now, they had an address which was relatively close to the office. So I said to her, number one, do you take PayPal? No PayPal. We only take cash. Um, do you want to meet in a public place where you where, near where you live, or do you want to come to my office? And if you want to come to my office, I will um, give you an extra five bucks for gas. You live relatively close, but I don't want to be a burden for you. So I may not be at the office. Somebody will be there, and they'll leave cash for you. No, we want to meet you on Territorial Road. Hmm. Okay. Well, where on Territorial Road? Territorial Road. I don't hear from her for a few days. Okay. That was weird. Then she emails back. My boyfriend says, I also have these three cards. Do you want them and make an offer? And I said, oh, well, we are the cards still in play? Well, I thought we had a deal. Are you trying to get out of a deal? I know you're a lawyer. No, no, I didn't hear from you. I'm not trying to get out of the $150 sale. I just want to know what's going on. Well, what do you want for these three cards? So I said, okay, well, if you give me those three, they weren't that great. Instead of 150, I'll give you like 175. Okay, he'll take that. Okay, cool. Where do you want to meet when? 
territorial road. Okay, now let me... Um, this is like... You start me nuts about Pete Winter. Meet me on the southwest corner. Just give me a goddamn address. Do you want to meet the Walmart? Do you want to meet the Myers? Do you want to come to the office? Do you want me to leave cash for you? This is becoming a frustrating thing. She keeps screaming out Territorial Road. Now, Territorial Road, you don't just stop on the side of the road to make a baseball card transaction, right? So I say to her, hey, let me know where you want to meet. And if I can't make it, I will send somebody with money to pick up the card. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're not sending one of your people to pick up these cards. A couple days go by. Are you trying to get out of the deal? <laughs> I, I asked where you want to meet. And by the way, these guys, these were not cards like you desired. They were okay. You know, put them up on display, put them in the stash. She then sends me an email. I can meet you today at your office, but I prefer to meet on Territorial Road. And I said, where on Territorial Road do you want to meet? That's a vague statement. Then she freaked out. The cards are sold out. You just missed the boat. Now, at this point, you had a guy trying to sell you face fake boxes, right? You got this poor girl who has these issues trying to sell her boyfriend's cards. You figured you had enough. Stay away from Facebook Marketplace. No, not me. Man, not me. No. So the garage sale hits. <sighs> this guy has this garage sale every weekend. And let me tell you, man. This guy thinks he's king of the world. You literally kiss the ring when you walk into this garage sale. And he's got a bunch of pictures up. And he, on his ad, it says, thank you, Amanda. On his ad, it says, do not ask me stupid questions. So he had a 1984 OPGP Rose, right? And it was graded. You could see there was a grade on it. So I emailed him. And I said, hey, what is the grade of the Pete Rose 84 OPG? And what are you asking for it? And he responds, did you read my ad? Okay. So this guy's trying to say I'm asking you a stupid question. So I said, I'm only asking you what you have for sale and what are the conditions of the cards. And he gets really pissed off. So I said, do you take PayPal? He doesn't respond. So he emails me. Well, we'll be having the sale on Sunday morning, blah, blah, blah. So I go there Sunday morning, because some of the pictures were appealing, right? And I don't know, I'm just sitting there like, huh. I'm going through his stuff. He had some good stuff, but it was very weird. Like, he's sitting in his one lawn chair, right? And his wife or girl sitting on the other lawn chair, and all these people from the neighborhood are coming in. And this is like, he's like the Don of the neighborhood, and, and this one guy, he says to King of the Garage Sale, what do you, can you do on the gay boy? He responds, what's the price tag say, asshole? And I'm just staring there, like, huh. Now, part of me wants to get the hell out of there, but I'm looking at these cards, and I'm thinking, huh. Okay, well, I want to get a good deal. 
Because here's the thing. If you pay cash for a card and you get it undervalued, you have the potential to flip the card if you put it in the right marketplace. That's how I bought the first house. So buy a card for cash and then sell it online in a particular market. It will pay a higher amount and we'll take it from there. Makes sense. So I go up to his table and he's got a Jason Tatum, a Pat Mahomes, and a Giannis rookie card. Really perfect card. And I said to him, number one, do you take PayPal? And he goes, what don't you understand? And I'm sitting there like, hmm, this guy's kind of talking down to me. And I'm a little annoyed right now that this dude on his lawn chair in his goddamn garage is, like, thinking he's superior to me. And I say to him, how much do you want for all three of these cards? Now, the book value on the cards is $1,300. So I'm thinking, hey, the live audience just walked in. Have a seat. Thank you. So I'm thinking I will offer him between $800 and $1,000 cash. Seems fair, right? Mm -hmm. Because I won't take a dime under $1,500. And I'm like, well, why would I pay you $1,500 if it's worth $1,300? Because I do whatever I want at my garage sale. And it brought me back to when I was a kid. I remember there was this guy, he was selling a Don Manley rookie card, right? And the Manley rookie card was worth $60. And he said, I want 100 for it, it was gonna go up in value. Well, why would I pay you 100 when I can pay anybody 60 Makes no sense, right? Right. Be like going to a strip club and paying too much money for yeah. anything. That's ridiculous. You know something about that, right? Nope. <laughs> then there was the racist Facebook marketplace situation. Did I tell you about that? No. Right. This guy's selling cards on Marketplace. And understand, guys, you are like, you're on Facebook at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're scouring looking for a good deal and this is sad that you're in this situation right it's sad but he's got a larry bird magic johnson rookie card and that's like the central card by the way this was the holy grail 8081 magic bird and dr j in the middle it's a little three-piece card it was the ultimate card i sold one from my childhood because i was selling the house i always missed that card I just want to buy the card back. That's one of those things you'll get to it when you get to it. Mm-hmm. So I inquired about the Larry Bird rookie. And Larry Bird was my favorite player growing up. So I said, how much for the Bird rookie? And he goes, I got a 1988 flair, Michael Jordan. Okay. So I really had my eye on that Larry Bird. How much for the Bird? He goes, how much will you pay me for the Jordan? I don't want the Jordan. I want the Bird rookie. And let me be clear, it's bird magic. So after we're going back and forth, he accused me of being a racist. Because you don't want my Jordan, but you want that Larry Bird card. You're a goddamn racist, aren't you? What? I like Larry Bird! This led to all sorts of drama, and he's telling me things... I must be a racist. I only want to buy cards of white basketball players. And then I say some stuff that he may work for a certain prosecutor's office that always accuse me of being a racist. It just got out of control. 
the last marketplace situation I learned where I just gave up. This guy has his estate sale, right? He's got a shitload of cards. And I said to the guy, what do you have? Because I have over 65,000 cards and I take credit cards. Okay, cool. What do you got? I have over $65,000. 65,000 cards. This is like getting us nowhere. Do you have 65,000 86, 87 flare basketball? Do you have 65,092 tops? And I start getting the specifics at 4.30 in the morning. And he just keeps saying over 65,000 cards. Moral to the story, on Facebook Marketplace, there's a bunch of weirdos that are overvaluing their stuff. Do you agree with that? Yeah. All right. So, the last thing we'll talk about today is the last Atlantic City birthday party. I don't think I told you this one. Yeah. You enjoy this. So, I'm going off to law school in August of 2004, and by July 2nd of 2004, cat get out of the back, I'm going off to law school, right? So what I'm doing in Atlantic City, I'm just working as much overtime as possible, you know, shoving money away. I was going to make sure Aunt Mary and Mom were safe financially. Want to pack extra cash because you're going off to school. So it'd be normal for me to pick up extra shifts doing everything. This one guy I bartend with, we won't mention her name. Because you're going to law school. You know you want hookers and cocaine before you leave. What? No, I I'm not a hooker and cocaine type guy. I don't even smoke weed. And he keeps mentioning these twin sisters that are strippers and how you know that's what you really want. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Now understand something. In Atlantic City at that time, I had this little condo. It's like a broom clause on the boardwalk, right? What's my first property? And I gave my friends keys. To the place. No. <laughs> Find that ironic, though. Yeah. I give keys to people I care about. That's how you got a key, isn't it? Yeah. All right. But giving this guy a key was not a good idea. I mean, I never even smoked weed. I don't go to strip clubs. I didn't know there were twin strippers. I mean, I don't know. So, in the casino industry, it was a game of telephone, right? So people are coming up to me in the casino, oh, here, you're going to use some coke and all that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, he told me this is what I wanted. I told him he was crazy. Third party hears the conversation. Now it gets twisted. So the day of my birthday, it's weird. There's guys come up to me in the casino, hey, B, we got you. I'm like, what does that mean? Because you're my boy, that's why. I don't even know what this means. And I'm like, you okay? He said, oh, we get it. You're playing coy. All right. So that morning, I'm working the casino service for 8 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. I did my work. One of the supervisors comes up to me. We got a call out of Tiffany Lounge. Would you work 5 p.m. to 1 a.m.? Yeah, I'll pick up the overtime. And Tiffany Lounge always made good money. So I work a 16-hour day. I come home. Now, leaving the casino to walk to my condo was like a four-minute walk. Like, your condo is right near it, right? So, I, I walk home. Remember now, my friend's got a key to the condo. I walk into this condo 
which is as big as a broom closet. There's like 24 people in the condo, right? There are strippers. There is cocaine. There is liquor. There is vomit. There's like, they had the party of all parties. And I'm walking in, and I gotta clean this shit up because they're all intoxicated and stuff. I said, you guys gotta get the hell out of my condo. And I asked several of the people who finance this endeavor, why did you ever think I'd want strippers and cocaine? And they told me my friend, who's no longer a friend today, that's a long story too, he told them that's what I wanted. So what he did on my way out to Michigan was he used my birthday as an advantage to get free cocaine and strippers. I walk in after a 16-hour shift. I see all hell broke loose. Anyway, there's a lot of reasons I'm not that close to Atlantic City people. But that's just one of them. So, you anything you want to add? No, thanks. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for coming in today. Alright. I am Bill Amadeo from McMass Amadeo and Cravel Associates and the Six. I, um, have never used cocaine. I've never been involved with a hooker or a stripper. And I am straight edge to the end. Old rumors about me, though. I'm pretty straight edge, aren't I? All right. And thank you for being here. I mean, I know you came in for your own issues, but you, you, you showed up for the show. The live audience came late, but they came. And sometimes guys have to battle just showing up, right? Do so, um, you think they think I'm not Chad or not? Okay. Alright guys, I'm done. Have a good night, guys. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.